0: Hello Disruptors, great to have you back with us again today. We are deep diving into the topic of doubt, which was um, one of our listener questions. So we've already looked in episode one at what is doubt, and then we followed on in episode two talking about what are the positive things of doubt. And tonight we want to look a little bit further into why do we doubt, what are the things um, as people of faith that make us doubt. So tonight, as always, joining me for our conversation is Michelle. Hello. And also Tam. Good. Morning,
1: afternoon or evening, depending on when you're listening.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice. sweet. And we're hoping not Tam's beautiful snoring dog tonight. But oh, yeah, here he's here again. <laughs> he's here again. Yeah. <laughs> Him. So, let's go for it, guys. Um I was reading a quote this week from Brené Brown and in terms of her faith that she said that she didn't leave religion because she stopped believing in God or because she doubted it, that there was a God, but rather she felt like religion had left her when it started putting politics and certainty before love and mystery. And I thought that Mm. was just a really interesting um, quote to begin with because straight away she's putting front and centre that I guess as soon as something is totally certain and that there's no room for mystery and not knowing and the grey, that something just um, loses its authenticity for her, religion loses its authenticity for her. I Mm. think
1: it's, yeah, I think when you're spoon-fed i mean i yeah i really resent being spoon-fed ideas without me having the space to to explore and question mm. like and it's and i i literally will feel resentful if if people mm-hmm. start doing that to me and that's not a really comfortable space for me to be in so that that's what i kind of feel when you say that quote yeah i get that that feeling of being you know, almost forced into a a corner of this is what you're allowed to believe.
0: Yeah, and And you like it. Do you think that's also like that's kind of been the model for the way that church I guess services at least have really been set up?
2: Mm.
0: Like you've got one person talking to a room full of people, but there's not really often room for interaction. No, that's around that, or to come back and go or, well, what do you mean about that? Or, I disagree, or, you know? Um, and often,
2: oh, yeah. And often, the whole um, desired outcome of that uh, sermon or presentation is to inspire people, right? Or um, rev them up to change how they do things. Mm-hmm. So, it's very hard to, yeah, speak about complexity from the front when you're trying to get a mass of people who are at all different life stages and faith stages inspired and engaged I think that's a really yeah I don't know how to quite how to solve it I guess but I'm not saying it's right the way it is either I think um that yeah. can actually be more damaging but like I, I loved actually in Rob Bell's podcast the one I've already spoken about ad nauseum but he talks about having these massive doubts and questioning the existence of God and he had to but it just so happened that he had to get up that day and go and preach to a church of thousands that he was running Uh, and it was Easter Sunday he's like Mm. you really can't on (laughs) Easter Sunday be giving people a message about like does God really exist yeah so I, I do actually feel for people that do get on stage week after week yeah. And rally the troops because it mustn't be easy sometimes.
0: And I think maybe it's just that it's there's a couple of different, um, like you're kind of at cross purposes because I guess if you go to a conference or you go to a big setting, that it's generally what it is, is you have someone talking and then you might have breakout sessions. And I guess mm. that's, you know, maybe traditionally what your idea of a small group has been... Is those kind of breakout sessions where you can discuss, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of churches even use that model. It's like your notes for your Connect group are from based on the sermon from the Sunday, um, and so you can kind of chat things out there. Interestingly, though, like I was talking to someone just the last week who was asked to lead a, leave a Connect group, not lead it, because they were asking too many questions. And
1: I'm like, oh, really? Yeah. What? So where's the But roof? I was going to. I was going to say that I still think in a lot of those environments, yeah. it's still not um, condoned. It's still not it's still not welcomed that people ask questions. I think I don't Absolutely. think I'd feel comfortable in a lot yeah. of groups. Um,
0: yeah. So why is that?
2: Probably because the leaders have been like they kind of put their hands up because everyone was revving up saying we need more volunteers, <laughs> and they're like not theologically trained. And really out of their depth, and kind of are all about the community, and happy to read a Bible verse, and Mm. you know, yeah, I just think so ill-equipped, and it hasn't been modeled to them.
1: Yeah, that's it, isn't it? So it
2: it continues, and what's modeled is you just keep trusting God and believe the best, or whatever it is that is Mm. the framing. So it's just, I think it, yeah, it often comes from the top down, right, in any Mm. scenario about any kind of culture yeah, yeah it exists. So how do of... you survive then Tam? Because like that is kind of the way faith is done generally in in the kind of group setting, isn't it? Do you, have you encountered Yeah, there's not much
1: alternative, <laughs> is there? <laughs>
2: is there have you encountered good alternatives or maybe podcasts are your escape now? Yeah. Not this podcast necessarily, but other ones. Like how do you not go insane?
1: I don't know. I mean, I think we've all sat through services where we've probably... I, like, literally wanted to walk out. Mm. Just just the thought of a a few hundred people listening to an idea that I completely don't agree with, but then that's just me, you know?
0: No, I felt like that too. And I think a lot of people have, and maybe that's why eventually they do stop coming. Yeah. Because you know, who wants to sit and listen to an idea they don't agree with? I mean, that can be healthy too, but if there's no recourse to discuss it, then Mm. I'm not saying we have to agree the same as everybody around us or that, but there's like, I think certainly in smaller settings there needs to be modelled a way to, um, uh, I don't know, I'm not even sure what I think, but like to hold our opinions a bit not lightly that's the wrong word like you got to believe
1: what know, got to with believe, respect but, like just respecting yeah. that people have different interpretations isn't it mm. like I think there's a, mm. there's a bit of a lack of respect um, mm. maybe that people that haven't been to Bible college could still have <laughs> an interpretation that is equally as valid as someone who has I don't know
2: yeah. I think, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I wonder if the church... would be awesome if the church, meaning the big group of people that may say they follow Jesus, so keep, go with me there, the um, bigger picture stuff. But imagine if we could actually do the art of conversation really well mm. and debate and, as you say, with respect, but also a non-defensive posture with it all, we can't even do that with ourselves, let alone with the rest of the world. Mm. So, no, no wonder, right? I mean, even just in the last week, I've seen what I would say would be conservative Christians who are, are also in the political space. Mm. Surprise, surprise! With the Lib- aligned with the Liberal Party, mm-hmm. and just absolutely slinging mud at people, like attacking the person mm. on social media, and this is people in their late 50s, early 60s, like not just, you know, these are people that should be mature and wiser than this by now, surely, Mm. but unable to have a decent conversation and just go in for the attack. Yeah. We're not good at disagreeing. No, we're not good at disagreeing or allowing for questions and all the rest. Yeah. And
0: that's definitely, I think, seen in church culture. And um, I think there was a podcast once where um, Krista Tippett and Brene Brown were talking, and I might have quoted it before, but it's – Brene was kind of making this prediction that whoever chooses comfort over facilitating real conversations, which, and she was saying that's in terms whether you're a civic leader or a leader of faith, that your days of relevance are numbered. And so mm. I would say, I guess, maybe in starting to wrap up this reason why people doubt is that it's because there's no real conversations
2: yeah. yeah yeah
0: that's true yeah and so the relevance the to people of therefore that. is yeah. like well you know um i guess church not necessarily faith although sometimes people walk away from that too but it just doesn't seem relevant relevant because people don't want to look at the breadth and depth of things um they just want it often often to be simple and everyone to agree and there to be not a lot of complexity yeah. yeah so what about other reasons why people might doubt
2: I what mean it? the obvious one is when you just get struck by the um, I want to swear but I won't but the terrible state of the world and mm. yeah that there's uh, big I mean I still remember when um, September 11 happened in the mm. States and we had a young adults planned. Like it was, it was something we did every fortnight, young adults worship service that I, I think I was coordinating it at the time that next night. It happened, you know, really in the wee hours in the morning. So that night is how do you, what do you do? My instinct was to just cancel it or just to have a conversation with people, but no, let's get up and let's sing about God being sovereign and him being good Mm. and it people really engaged like I will say that there was a sense of connection I guess or you know it was a way of expressing the horribleness of it like having some way to connect with God and yet actually it's pretty horrible that I don't know that we should be having to sing that you are good, you are good when <laughs> all these people just died who were just heading yes. to work for the
0: day. It's like and people are afraid of that, isn't it? Afraid of yeah. suffering. A friend of mine, um, Lisa, who listens to our pod as well, was saying that... Hey, Lisa. Hey, Lisa. <laughs> Keep on she listening. Saying, Tell your friends. Uh, she was so... Um, <laughs> she was so... Uh, like struck when her nana died um i guess at the stoicness of the family at the funeral when a few days later she went to um i think either a distant cousin's someone's funeral or a work colleague or something and it was greek orthodox and she said for the first hour it was just people coming into the church Wailing and th- literally wow. throwing themselves on the coffin and wailing, and people were waiting their turn in line to be able to go up and throw themselves on the coffin and wail and just cry. And and she was like, it, at first she was just like, this was this is way full on. And then she was like, no, this is healthy and this is right. Like, if we can't yeah. grieve at this time, if all we can do is be stoic and wipe away a few tears and yeah, and seeing you are good and are say, good, because we're oh, too obviously afraid this, to,
1: yeah. yeah this is God's plan mm. and this was meant to be. Mm.
2: Not even that. I don't know that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know that I expe- have experienced. There's obviously some people that are on the yeah, ability to say this is God's plan. I don't know that it's always that it, black and white in, in my little experience of my little anecdotal bubble, <laughs> mm-hmm. but more just, and I get, and maybe this, this is a good thing, but clinging to, uh, I don't know truth of who god is but i think at that point you're wondering who the hell is god because mm. this does not add up and mm. maybe that is the question that is not allowed to be actually spoken out
0: yeah even that um new york times article with julia baird uh, yeah the How good Shell, that? had that bishop of archbishop of canterbury or whatever uh who yes. was like he was just talking about time and he was doubting like he was out kind of running or something and just having a meltdown going, God, if you're there, like, why has this happened? And and it wasn't only people of faith that couldn't stand that, was people of other, or well, the Christian faith, I should say, people of other faiths and even atheists who were just like going, oh, you know, look, even this bishop can't even really believe, you know, in these times That's, of suffering. Yeah. But he wasn't necessarily saying he didn't believe. He was Mm, holding those two tensions together of like there's enough in my life and there's enough goodness and there's enough goodness in people and different times to go, I'm sure there's something out there or there's God out there, but I just don't get this situation. And, Mm. yeah, to have someone model, you know, I guess who's high up in church culture, what that looks like, similar to the Rob Bell thing, is just – I think it's really important for people – Absolutely, particularly,
2: it. Yeah, particularly for someone in more of a traditional setting, whereas like a Rob Bell, I would say, has moved into the progressive space, so sure. he's always going to be dismissed by a lot of people, whereas, mm-hmm. yeah, if we could hear more of those typical heads of denominations, Protestant and Catholic, you know, speaking in that way, I really admired him for that as well. But it's interesting, as you said, how everyone piled on, mm. even from other religions and non-religion, that... Just accentuates it, right? Probably because we haven't been good at allowing that part of the conversation to be in the mix publicly, mm. much in the past. So when it does happen, it's really quite stark, and people react.
1: And we don't but like f- our leaders to be vulnerable. That's mm. right, because we want our do to do Yeah, <laughs> we want them to be. You know, if if we if we doubt, we want our leaders to not doubt, so that we've got somewhere to go. I suppose.
2: Which, yeah. yeah, which is interesting because I find in my times of doubt, I do look for those people who don't so, or seemingly don't to help yeah. feel some comfort or some sense of, no, okay, this is okay. Yeah. So there is something that we, I think we all project onto another to hold it for us when we don't know how to hold it ourselves, mm. which is probably just a whole human response. But it does and maybe it's unfair. People...
0: It almost, yeah, like brings people down to their common lowest. It doesn't raise people up to what they can be, does it? It's like, oh, you're no. too, you're too um, precious. It's not the right word. You're too fragile to be able to deal with the complexity. <laughs> like you just need yeah. someone up the front saying it's all going to be okay and rah, rah, rah. So I think people are well, it's over it's the that. crutch idea, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you hit personal tragedy, like, you know. Yes. Like we've all had, you know, close friends die or things that have happened that just aren't right or seem before their time or are just you know the random horrible events of life that can happen to anyone at any time and yet I think when you grow up particularly with a very black and white view of faith of like you know transactional you put good things into God, you'll get good things out all your life. You mm. know, your cup will be yes. abundant and flowing over and goodness and mercy Hashtag will follow blessed. you. Hashtag Yeah. <laughs> you know, nothing <laughs> bad will happen to you and we'll fight off the demons on every side. I think when you go, oh, hang on a minute, I did all the right things and I got the wrong outcome, that can really shape people too because what we've put in initially is probably wrong. Mm. Oh, well, not 100%. wrong, but not the full picture. Skewed.
2: Yeah, a bit skewed. I think you're totally right because what I'm interested um, in also hearing from you guys is around what you actually doubt about. And I think that is closely tied, exactly what you've just said there, around what it is, what's the equation that you unconsciously have got in your head. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think about, you know, I think doubt creeps up, yeah, when when a good close person in your life um passes away mm. and i think one key area is sort of what is prayer right so if you've done the whole mm. praying for healing believing in that and then that doesn't happen i think that's a massive like it, it can't be contained to that one experience that mm. suddenly you play mm. that out and it's and you've got to ask a whole lot of questions around why would i even bother right yeah and so there's that's one pocket of like what is the what what influence can I as a human being have mm. based on how I choose
1: to petition this creator mm. of the universe? Alternatively, or, it's that, yeah. oh sorry, go on. No, you go. Oh, alternatively, it's that um, tension between, well, if, um, you know, if God is all loving but also all mm. powerful, uh, why doesn't he give us those things? Why doesn't he yes answer those prayers that will, you know prove that he's all loving, mm. why doesn't he use his power to prove that? yeah, so how can he be those two things, and yet those things still happen mm exactly, yeah, and, and that's
2: that is a life and death thing, or it could just be a not just, but I you know am waiting for the right person to be with for the rest of my life, and I haven't jumped into x y z I've been very careful here, this is and this, and therefore, hold on a second I'm at this age now and still single or whatever it is again that equation doesn't add up so mm. doubt starts to trickle in going yeah hashtag blessed what, what does that mean mm. um for yeah, me at this point
0: it's the concentration camps of our it's mm. um you oh, know that yeah. uh Lisa Gungor article when you know they were worship pastors and doing the thing all around the world and then you know they had a daughter with Down syndrome who they absolutely loved but it was just like a not expected kind of thing and I guess something that a lot of people have have looked at as a negative thing and then again going well you know how do you how do you frame up Jesus then now that you've got these doubts about what it means to follow Jesus and what that outlook will have for your life and so I think yeah, there's, there's, it's all the same sort of thing as well. Even that um, TED talk that we talked about in, I think, the last couple of episodes, The Gospel of Doubt. And yes. he starts it off by telling, like, it's kind of funny, but it's deeply sad as well, like the story yeah. of, you know, the church that he was um, kind of grew, growing up in with the whole Y2K. And they thought it was the end of the world and everyone was waiting there praying you know for the second coming and then it got past midnight and it didn't happen and all these devout people who love God and then like what do they do with that all that belief and all that that they've put their heart towards and so there's you know that kind of thing that I think happens a lot for people as well like um yeah I think for me growing up Pentecostal, was like like the revival culture of things, like you're always looking for the next move of the spirit. And, you know, while there's something about that that's really wonderful, um, it's also always looking for an external something that God mm. does to make things happen rather than just like awakening your own spirit and kind of being happy with that, the journey you go on in that. And so then, you know, when you're at prayer meetings you know five nights a week and you're worshiping and praying and crying out for god to do things and things don't happen um yeah yeah what do you do with all of that hope and expectation and how do you continue to have hope and expectation in a god that you know doesn't meet you the way that you expected or whatever
1: and i guess the big question is that no one ever kind of says is like, how often do we doubt that God's even there? Like, yeah, we're talking mm. about how we doubt the character of God. But, mm. yeah, I mean, there's, ta- there's there's times all the time when you go, well, yeah. Are we yeah. just...
0: <laughs> we were talking about heaven the last episode. Like, I don't even know what I think heaven is anymore. Yeah, yeah. Is it a literal place? Is it... I don't know. It's There's all those kind of things that I think are really tricky um, when we're talking big concepts of things you know, mm. what's Armageddon, what's, what's the mark of the beast, what's the end of the world, what's heaven, what's, you know, evolution, what's creation. Yeah, what's, that's right. That, what do those big things yeah. mean for our faith? And again, Did I Did Adam
1: and Eve actually exist or is it just a yeah, nice story, a story, to, story to demonstrate? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: exactly. And I think when you find, Mind you know, blowing. comparative stories in other religions of the world is everyone reaching for God? And they've found it in their way, like it's the whole, what's his name? Cat Stevens, who became a Muslim, because that was the God that appeared to him. And that's his personal experience. And Anyway, so I think there's a lot of big questions like that, that when you start to read more and research more and find out more about different people of the world and different cultural stories... Um, mm. You go okay. You, I feel like you have to either go. Well, I just can't believe this is all true, or you have to find a new way of believing that holds the tension mm. of there's truth in here, but there's also truth in this. Uh, for me personally, that's a bit like creation. Like I go, well, scientific evidence is is there for evolution. Um, it t- to me to believe that. The world evolved out of evolution or whatever doesn't negate the fact that I still believe mm. there's a divine life source that there's still God yeah but you have, to, it's, some people can't hold those tensions and I'm not trying mm. to say they're better or worse than me I'm just, it's a different it's again getting rid of that having to let go of some things, otherwise for me then I can't hold on because there's too many things that yeah, or I have to go really simple, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, that's, that's that whole thing where we started, isn't it? if you're if you're forced into a corner being told that you have to believe a certain thing that you mm. can't believe, then that's yeah, that's the point where people walk away mm. where they're not allowed to hold that tension of yeah, exploring new ways of doing things. Mm. Yeah. without letting go of everything.
0: And I think Christians themselves, like um, abuses of power in institution, make people mm. doubt.
1: Um, oh, sure. I think
0: people focusing on uh, sort of what might seem like macro issues in their faith, is, or micro issues instead of macro. So I was thinking about, I think Richard Raw put out a devotional this week where he was talking about, what if using the Lord's name in vain Is not like stubbing our foot and saying Jesus or God or whatever. What if it Mm. is the things that we fight for under God's name that are actually contrary to love and forgiveness and acceptance of people? Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow. I hadn't thought of it like that that before. But I think people seeing really small-minded Christians um, or Christians that say they believe in something lack of hate or love but don't walk it out in every area that is a cause for people to doubt
1: i was just reading a um a blog post that nicole connor wrote this week mm. oh yeah um and she has she's likened the process of doubt or deconstruction to um murray condo <laughs> ah, okay so like a decluttering And I think Mm. maybe some of the doubt is just maybe, uh, like getting to this point of maturity where we realize that there's too much crap and there's too much stuff. And we've been told all of these things and it's just that process of, um, like the emotional and spiritual sorting. And maybe it's just a natural, you know, doubts, obviously it is just a natural part of us um, sorting through stuff and figuring out, you know, what sparks joy, like what ideas and what parts of our faith spark joy, and which parts mm-hmm. we're ready to, you know, declutter and leave behind. I think that's a and it was a nice analogy.
0: Yeah, I, I think mm-hmm. Michelle, you had sent along that Babylon B. Um, thing where they're tearing out passages of the Bible, going, "This doesn't spark joy." Yeah. (laughs) Very tongue-in-cheek. Yes. You know what I I reckon as we come around to the end of this is that doubts have always been in there with people of faith. You know, like you think of the Psalms and you think of David and everything that he went through in his life and that he expressed in his songs so well as well. Like all the things that we've talked about tonight, the suffering, the God, why have you forsaken me? You know, the I'm like dying here, do you care? Mm -hmm. It's always been there amongst people of faith. And so I think we're just trying to reclaim that in a way. And I guess what we want to say to the other disruptors out there is it's okay to doubt. Like we all have doubts. Yes. So what we probably need to do is start to talk about it with people that we trust. And also mm-hmm. to hear from some of these people, like we were talking about, how we love to hear, you know, people who are of faith and who are maybe like leaders in the faith who have their own doubts. So like your Nicole Con- Connell, like your Archbishop um, like your of Brons, Canterbury, or whatever, yeah, yeah. and actually hear yeah. their voices and listen to what they have to say. Yeah,
2: yeah that's right. And, and not, yeah, not... Um, be held back by the thought that it means you have to throw it all out mm. either. Um, yeah. But to find a new way forward, whatever that looks like. Mm. So maybe I think what would be really helpful in our next um, conversation would be just some of those practical things that you guys have done, or we've heard other people, you know, wait tips and tricks, I guess, to yeah. navigate those moments. Cause they will continue to pop up
1: <laughs> over the years.
2: I'm sure. Yeah.
1: Because um, that point of doubt could yeah, it can go two ways, obviously. Like we've talked about, it can plenty of people at that point would turn their back because it's all too hard. Yes. So what's well yeah, what are what are the different what's the difference between people who take that in a a really healthy way and people that don't?
2: Yeah, yeah. and I think
1: I I think our kind
2: of whole shtick with the faith disrupted concept is that hope is that people find a way through Mm. rather than having to walk away I think could we call that out as a kind of sure desired end game that it can look very different to what it did growing up but that we would love that this is a conversation that helps you navigate so yeah let's get practical on it I think I'd find that really useful too because yeah. I feel like my toolkit at the moment is probably a little bit um small so it'd be helpful to get some other ways of um yeah doing yeah, the doubt idea. exploration well yeah
0: love it you are not alone I'm here with you. that's what's going around in my head
1: all right around well Michael Jackson awesome yeah.
0: well thanks for being with us as we discuss this pretty heavy at times topic tonight disruptors and we look forward to chatting about ideas of how we walk through this and walk forward and continue to hold on to the spiritual beliefs and practices that are important and do add to our lives next time we all meet does that sound about right Indeed. Love it. Let's do
2: it. Yay! All
0: See right. you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.